It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vader's his father. They're allergic to water. She's her sister and her daughter. You watched it wrong. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to You Watched It Wrong. This is Wade. This is Siggy. And this is the podcast where we... <laughs> Uh, we just stew in our juices thinking about <laughs> one movie for a long, 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 long time. You've heard dancing about architecture. We are stewing in... Um, we are basting... Uh, cartography. Yeah. Rewrite. Cartography. <laughs> yes. Let me Remind me to put that in the metadata so people yeah. are, exactly. can find us among the cartography podcasts. I'll tell you, it's an untapped market. Actually, I take that back. Very tapped market. <laughs> I'd tap that market. <laughs> I'd hit it's it. Like good. I'd hit yeah. that with a cart. Uh, I wouldn't we are... kick that out of my stock exchange. <laughs> <laughs> my portfolio. Whatever. Sure. Why not? Let's just we're just scat. Let's do it. Come on. Yeah. Hey, how about you and I go diversify my index? (laughs) These are stupid. These aren't even jokes. I'm well endowed Jones. Stuff now. Yeah, it's just stuff. I remember this financial term. That's what this is. That's what this is right now. It's this is the uh, uh, date movie, disaster movie, epic movie of financial riffing. We just. This is the term I know. Men, are you experiencing stagflation? No, these are t- no, these aren't. <laughs> What's happened to us? What do you call it when you lose your boner because there's only men at the party? Stagflation. <laughs> <sighs> All this is getting cut out. I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little on the loose side at this point. Probably not the best way to intro a podcast. Not if we want to talk about. Bo Burnham's inside. Oh, we're going to talk about Bo Burnham. That's right. We are. We're going to talk about uh, a little uh, Netflix. um, It's deemed a comedy special. Comedy special released uh, on Netflix in, I believe, April of 2021. A year into the, um, what's that thing, um, Siggy? The, um, oh yeah, global pandemic. Yeah. Uh, Bo Burnham's Inside. This got a lot of attention when it came out. I personally, I saw it uh, like about um, three weeks or so after it came out. And I believe, Siggy, you just saw it the other day, correct? Yeah. Uh, well, as we discussed in our last episode, I'm really not in the market for watching pandemic-related entertainment uh, most days. <laughs> right. You agreed with me, and then you your very next selection for our episode was... <laughs> Uh, this movie, which, of course, I continue to be well, amused by. <laughs> well, let me let me say, <laughs> but I, before uh, I get yeah, in, this wasn't my watch in, list and uh, uh, this was my excuse to get around to it. There you go. Um, and also, let me say just just a quick sidebar. Um, I, I, I don't think in our, in our last uh, 
episode, I actually addressed this because we were talking about uh, Natalie Morales' uh, language lessons. I was yes. going to watch it. I hadn't watched it yet, and I was avoiding it because it was a Zoom movie. And um, I was at, I'd rented it, and I literally waited until like the last day of my 30-day rental to watch it because I was so not in the mood for a Zoom movie. Um, and oh my God, I wish I hadn't waited. It was so good. It's in my top five so far of this year. Oh, I still um, need to check it out. But it's a 2021 um, movie, right? It is a 2021 movie. Now. I know. My, oh, sorry. Top five of last year. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I still got to get through. There's a lot I got to get through from last year. So I, I'm still, still working on it, but, um, it's You're not going to get me with one of those, oh, well, it says 2021, but it's actually 2022. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm looking at when it's made available, and that's all out there. That's all out there to, 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 to learn. So, you know, I'm not making this stuff up. If I were, it would all be, it'd all be released now, now, right now for me to see. And so, but all movies would be 2022. All movies would be 2022. That would right simplify now. things. It would simplify it a lot. Um, It'd but be yeah, annoying when to, the same movies like win Oscars again. <laughs> ben Hur won? God damn it. <laughs> I was really pulling for it. And it won 11 again. <laughs> <laughs> really pulling for Ghostbusters this time. It didn't work. So um, I didn't know anything. About, I, I knew very little. I, I knew of Bo Burnham as a internet comedian. Like he started, he came to uh, prominence at like 14 or 15 years old on the on YouTube mm. and became a really big um, YouTube star. Did we see a little clip of at the end? Him, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I hadn't heard any of his stuff. And then I um, heard he'd gotten a special out of it and heard people speak highly of it. But I said, I'll check it out. I never did. And he kept making more and he kept making more. And literally the first thing I ever saw him in, I was, it was in the big sick. I just saw him as a, I was like, oh, that's Bo Burnham. And then, then I saw eighth grade. And that's when I really... Oh, right. I've seen 8th grade. I forgot he oh, did Oh, you did that. see it. Yeah, he, he wrote and directed 8th grade. And that's when I was like, oh, wow. This guy's amazing. And then yeah, I see that's, Promising that's Young... a great movie. And then I saw Promising Young Woman, and I was like, wow. Okay, yeah, he's, he's good there, too. And then I saw Inside. And after seeing Inside, I kind of went on an obsessive Bo Burnham, like... Whole. I still haven't seen his first special, Words, 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 but I've seen um, uh, What and Make Funny, or Make Happy, sorry, Make Happy, and then seen a lot of his, like, released YouTube videos. And it's fascinating is to watch him grow up and watch him go from somebody who was... Um, it's fascinating because he's clearly very talented. He's clearly at that age... Yeah was thinking about stuff that most people don't, but then he was still a kid and he was still thinking the, the thing like, um, I'm going to attack the things I hate, which is sexism, racism, homophobia, um, and I'm going to be an ally by attacking those things, but not realizing that 
using the words he does, using the things he does, using the point is problematic, which he addresses in a song problematic <laughs> later on. Um, we'll talk about that later, but like, um, you know, and to his credit, he has not taken those things down and, um, where he uses the, um, the F word for homosexual quite a bit. And, um, mainly because I, you could tell he's been called it a lot growing up. So to watch him grow and yet still see him as like this kind of force, even at like, you know, 16 years old, uh, but still like, but still being 16, you know, like still having all the valuables that come with being 16, um, uh, has really been fascinating. And so, um, and then the end of Make Happy, his last special from, um, is another really uh, powerful thing to me because it, it encapsulates something about that, that is very important to inside, which is Bo seems to be very concerned with he's he's always examining the nature of performance because he deals a lot in songs. There's not a lot of improvisation. He's written it all down, so you can't misconstrue him with being like, I'm just being this guy. No, everything's planned out. Everything is fastidiously planned out to the T. And he's very, in all those shows you see, he's very concerned with lighting. He's very concerned with presentation. He's very concerned with all of these aspects of theater. He actually seems to treat it like theater rather than I'm just telling you stand up. Uh, Rather than I'm just telling you stand up. It's like, it's theater. That comes across in And it inside, certainly comes across. Because yeah. the thing that really got me about this time, watching it this time, was how that room, how, like, he never relies on any, like, pre-made stuff he could get. Like, stock footage or stock imagery or, like, like if I'm making this thing in my one room, everything's being made in this room because this is the proscenium. This is the stage. And I'm going right. to use theatrical rules to make this comedy special. And yet somehow, in my opinion, and I'd like to see what you think, in my opinion, I think he's within those rules of theater. He's created a cinematic experience that is truly impressive. So anyway, I say all that just to say, going through the whole of his previous work, which I had no knowledge of really, other than just a vague awareness of, I found this whole life that was just, that really impressed me. I mean, warts and all, because there are warts, but it really impressed me. And um, I'm curious to see what inside came off to, so, to, I mean, I, I saw it with next to nothing too of him, but uh, so I, I, I guess I, I do know your experience, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to hear it anyway. <laughs> Wait, what, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna say I'd like to hear experience without with just that knowledge alone, but then I went. But wait, I saw inside not knowing any of that stuff, so I, I guess <laughs> oh, okay. I did know it. Anyway, uh, what's the question? I don't know. Uh, but the question <laughs> is, but the question is is that it, it, basically uh, my 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 point is is that um, uh, getting to inside, forgetting the rest of the stuff, just getting to inside. I, I was. Um, really taken by a lot of response from other comics that I read who were talking about, how did he do this, man? How did he do it all himself? I mean, I, I pretty much, I think 
maybe maybe a little sound mixing was done by somebody else, but pretty much, yeah, he did the whole thing. And they're yeah, all going. Yeah, there was some post. There was some post uh, on the sound for some sure. post work for for sure. But other than that, it's all done himself. And, and many, I hear a lot of these comments going, "How did he do that? I mean, how I don't understand how one person can do all that." And I'm like, "He shows you." It took he, time. <laughs> he, he literally shows you in the movie how he does it. I mean, it's all right there. And tell me, you know, you, know, you and I went to um, film school together, if you can call it that. But we, <laughs> we did. And um, were you taken back watching the, the, the montages of him, you know, testing the lights and getting the balances right? And, and those what looked like nights of him being frustrated with not getting the looks he wants and trying to yeah. lay it all out. Did that take you back to your college days of you being on set with your camera and your lights and like just figuring shit out and like did Yeah, except he like can he's got he can see a lot better than we could. Oh yeah. <laughs> how how that stuff is looking. Of course we weren't trying to do it by ourselves necessarily. Um and boy, I would have loved one of those little LED lights instead of the oh. big honking Fresnels, oh, yeah. you know. Um, but he had like an elliptical, like, like uh, you could tell he, one of the things he had was like a big elliptical where he was using to spotlight, like certain parts of it. So he, he had, had LEDs, he, he had ring lights, he had, he had ellipticals, he had, um, many things, but and I was the, getting nervous. Like and, and sometimes his floor was nice and, and sparse and he could move around. And then sometimes it's like so cluttered with wires and yeah. gadgets. I'm like, don't, <laughs> you're going to break something or trip and hurt yourself. You know, like there's the, so this is one of the things you're, you're talking about. So how does he do it? And the theatricality and, and, and how careful he is with presentation, you know, and yeah. like conscious of performance. I mean, so that was one of my big, uh, one of my big takeaways. I mean, so this is a movie about, it ends up being a movie about just his experience mm. of isolation. Right. Um, and, and, and you're, it, I'm glad you called it a movie because I do think of it as a movie. It's a oh, it's yeah. technically a comedy special. He meant to, but you know, he started out as a special, but he made a movie. He made a movie for sure. Um, and so that's one of the things, you know, like it's it, if if it has an arc, it's just about how he starts off having fun. Like there's an opportunity to focus on my craft, and it becomes how do I keep doing this? Right? Why do I keep doing this? Why do um, I keep doing this? Exactly. And like he has these really, you see, you see the, sh the shots of him setting up. You see the thing of him almost knocking the camera over and catching it in yeah. time. Glad Which he caught that. I am. I've done so many I've times. I've done that. <laughs> sure. And, and so he's got other things where, where he's having these really raw emotional moments. Because he's got these things where he just like, it's highly choreographed. He's, he's really tight. You know, I was really impressed with his musicianship. Mm -hmm. Um, and he'll do these like long takes where he's sinking to a sock puppet. He's going to sink yeah. later, you <laughs> know, like he's just really, he's really tight with his rhythm. Yeah. Um, and he's like changing tempos in the song and stuff. And then he's got things where, and he's like, you know, emoting, uh, in, in those scenes. And then he's having the, these really raw, these really raw moments where he's kind of breaking down, knowing that he's like knowing him first as an actor, 
right? Coming into this, like, yeah. am I seeing, am I seeing a take or am I seeing an outtake? Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm clearly meant to process it as an outtake, right? Like right. this has become the story of him making this, this special, but am I seeing his craft or am I seeing an outtake that, and I'm seeing his craft as an editor. Am I seeing his craft as an, as an actor or, or not? And it, if it's just craft, if it's like, this is like, I want to portray where I am right now, like for the camera, like that's, there's no disrespect to that. Like it's, I still appreciate that art- artistic level. Like I don't devalue it at all if it's not like a genuine outtake, but I don't know which it is, right. which is just kind of an interesting, it was like a debate I was having with myself as I'm watching uh, watching the movie, which I yeah. just thought was interesting experience. Yeah, you're not alone. One of the I, I earlier I told Siggy that I was going to try not to talk about other people's experiences, reactions to this movie, but unfortunately, it's 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 becoming more and more drain. Um, so um, there was a there was a because Bo Burnham, to his credit, has not done a single interview about this movie. He's just let it be what it is. I, uh, there's a podcast that you and I both like to listen to called Good One with Jesse David Fox, right? Is his name Jesse David Fox, the host? Did I listen to that? Oh, I believe that you thought you one. did. I've listened to it like four times. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. It's okay. I tell you, one that I listened to and one that you have heard. On this episode of Good Ones, he gathers a bunch of critics because Bo Burnham's not talking about Inside. And so he's like, we, we got to talk about this because it's driving us crazy. And they all pile in and talk about it. And it's fascinating to see the multitude of reactions to it. Some people were saying it was the most cynical version of Bo they've ever seen. Some people were saying it was the most emotionally available and raw that he's ever seen. Some people were saying he couldn't figure it out. It's swinging back and forth. And they didn't know how to take it at all. I find it, uh, what's the word I mean? Not disingenuous, but but, um, dismissive to say it's a cynical piece of work, personally. But and it, it led me down this thought about examining what is performance, because Bo Burnham is clearly, I, I would personally say, if I, if I had gun to my head, I'd wager that it's a mix of what we're seeing, of outtakes that he used as an editor, and then more performative moments. Um, and I, uh, And the debate that you're having in your head is definitely part of it. Because Bo Burnham has constantly been, been, if you watch Make Happy and what he is examining, what it means to be a performer. His, his, his shows have always been, hi, I'm up here and I'm a performer and I'm performing for you guys. And you kind of were trying to, you know, the, the, the interesting thing to me about comics are, is that if a person sees an actor in a movie, they go, um, wow, that guy's cool. But I know he's playing a role. And the less, um, how do I say this, uh, intuitive or deep or whatever people of us will just say, you know, I'm sure Sylvester Stallone's like that all the time, man. <laughs> or whatever. They think they are their characters. But most of us understand they're playing a role. That, that's not who they are in real life. Stand-up comics, on the other hand, people go come in expecting to see who this person is and they leave thinking they've seen who this person is. But what they've really still seen is a character. It's a show. It's a presentation of a character, mostly. Even confessional comics, to some degree, I believe, 
they're still presenting a version. And, you know, I think Mark Maron calls it building a clown. And that's what you do, right? You're still yeah. seeing a version that is being presented. Even if you are trying to express real things that happen to you and real experiences, you are still presenting a character. But it's, right? not, it's not processed that way. I've always thought it but was interesting how a singer can cover someone else's song, but a rapper can't no, cover I, someone else's rap. Right, because it right, right. It it it's supposed to feel more personal and genuine, and even spontaneous, even when it's not right. Right, and uh, similarly, uh, you can't cover someone else's stand-up. No, right, you because know, that's, that is that's supposed criminal. to be. You feel that's not appropriate because you think you're getting that person. I'm right. knowing that person because he's talking to me and telling me what he thinks. Really, he's talking to you, and a character is telling you what the character wants to tell you. And yes, the the author can get in what he wants to say through that voice, but it's still a character. And uh, so, yeah, you're exactly right. I completely well, agree. You know, Orson Welles can write himself a role and play the part, but then I yeah. can go play that that role. But you could go play that part. Yeah. You know, yeah. You can go play uh, uh, Charles Foster Kane in like a stage play of it. You can do that. I could. But you can't do Dupont and Patton Oswalt's Black Angus would, routine. People would love it. Yeah. People <laughs> would love it if I did that. <laughs> but if you went up on stage and did Patton Oswalt's Black Angus routine, they would hate that. Because that's not yours. That's Patton Oswalt's. Yeah, funny. It's funny. But so, so that's, that's the mystique that the comic has. And so everyone's always trying to penetrate. Am I getting Bo Burnham or am I getting a cynical version or... Or the president, but the, here's here's what I find fascinating. You know how, like in politics and in 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 life in general, people say, um, "You don't mean that." All of this is performative. You're just performing for the cameras. You're just you're just. This is a performance of. This is just lies. And I've always found that a, a, a crazy expression because. As someone who has a motivation to perform and has performed a lot, performance to me is trying to create the best semblance of truth. Well, I think being, the word just is doing a lot of work in that. Right, right. That claim. You're merely You're saying, being performative. There is right. no. There is no. There is no essence. Uh, there is no essence. Beneath You're, the surface. You're yeah. lying. Right, um, yeah. So, but I think those wires get crossed when people look at things like inside and they say, well, obviously, because he's performing, this is disingenuous. When what's interesting to me is looking at Bo Burnham's whole, the, the, what, what I've seen of his body of work, he's constantly processing what it means to be a performer. And so he's criticizing it. He's, he's embodying it. He's um, uh, communicating it. But at the same time, he's doing it through what? Performance. He's not doing it through writing a book about it or drawing a comic book about it. He's, he, he's motivated to be a performer. And so in, in, in the, his, his genuine interest in the idea of performance is because he wants to perform. So, like, well, I, he, I... He kind of confronts this in the comedy song about... He, he, maybe he would like to do... 
more good in the world, but performing is what he knows how to do. Exactly. And uh, let me tell you, uh, those first two songs, content and comedy, I love so much. I love... How much? How much so much. <laughs> as much as Chris Farley would? As much as Chris Farley would, yeah. I, I, as I've told Siggy several times, I, I always fear that when I pick a movie, I'm just going to turn it into a Chris Farley show episode and just talk about how much I love. That Spicy. was great. Pick movies uh, you don't like, and then it won't happen. Yeah, there you go. You'll but feel guilty about that part where he says thing. that the the bridges, the parts where he says, you know, uh, uh, I want to leave this world better than I found it, and I feel that comedy won't help, and that fear is not unfounded. That's in my head all the time. <laughs> I mean, like before I heard the song, that's like my entire head. So, so my, my, my overall point there was that I don't think that simply because he's performing means he's being disingenuous or cynical in any way. You know, it's like if he felt something and is motivated to express it, then performing it is the way to do it. So, you know, I'm not entirely sure if we're seeing a real Bo Burnham trying to perform saying, you know, I've been doing this for a uh, year now and I didn't think and he can't get through it and gets mad and storms off. I don't know if that's real or not. And honestly, I don't care be, ultimately because I know I've been there. I know that feeling. This is the feeling I'm having all the time now in this right. 2020, 2021, and sadly, probably 2022 time frame, or, or even just working on a creative project before all that was this un, um, this frustration that what I w- see in my mind to come out is not coming out. You would have given up on deathbed, is what you're saying. You would deathbed, not have... the bed that eats people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have I given up. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, did you see on the whiteboard, I paused it, on the whiteboard that he had during the song Comedy, he's got... Comedy equals tragedy plus time. Time equals money. Tragedy equals 9-11. Comedy <laughs> equals 9-11 plus money? <laughs> I, I, catch, I caught the last line of that. I'm glad to hear the progression. I love the part of that song of comedy, which is one of my favorite songs in the special, but um, I love the bridge where it's, uh, you know, if... If you wake up and your house is full of smoke, don't panic. Call me and tell, call me up, and I'll tell you a joke. Which he reprises yeah. at the end. Oh. He... I was going to get to that later because I think good. If I had to peg my favorite song, I think "Goodbye" is my favorite song. The closing song is probably the best song in, or my favorite song in the show. Mm. It's so good because that that breaks my heart when he says that part yeah. and he flips it. Anyway, sorry. He wants someone <laughs> to make him laugh because people need laughter, even in miserable yeah. times. Maybe most of all in miserable times. Maybe most and of all. And it doesn't mean that the laughter makes your pain go away. It just makes you forget it for a minute. Yeah. And, and that's and, still a thing worth doing. Yeah. Because Bo and Wade. That, over- <laughs> that overwhelming, relentless uh, overwhelming of your mind and energy and spirit it's it's it you need it needs to that's 
probably the biggest killer of everything. So anyway, um, uh, shoot. While you're thinking of that, dude's got big feet. Yeah, he's a big dude. So he's taller than a door frame. Is this is this guy? Is this a big dude? Is this a giant dude, or is just the room small? <laughs> yeah, he's very tall. And then even for his size, he has big feet. Yeah, right, and pretty yeah. big hands. And so I'm like, what else is big? And then we got to see <laughs> when he's in his uh, boxer underwear. briefs. I'm like, holy shit! Is that casting a shadow? <laughs> On his leg? Yes, it is. <laughs> Holy fuck! It's 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 funny because you go so so your feelings of in, of um, inadequacy are coming from some other place. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of all? So so tell me what you what you thought about the production value, the methods he used in this one room, and do you think it was sustainable throughout an hour and twenty seven minutes? Do you think it held your attention just being in this one room? With a limited amount of of uh, techniques, it did. So he makes some choices. You know, he constrains himself to the one room. We never get to see like some of my questions. I, I liked how myopic the whole thing ended up being. I thought yeah. it was a strong choice because it really reflects the state of mind and and the state of isolation. Um, right. He's confined. He confines himself to the one room. Things he can project on the walls. You know, he's done some video tricks. The reaction video um, <laughs> uh, being a, a good one. Because he doesn't appear to be shaving or cutting his hair, he's constrained to presenting things in the order in which they were made, which maybe didn't make for the the best overall package it could have been, but showing that progression seemed really important to the piece. So, um, and also the moments when it changes are really powerful or when the moment when you see the flash earlier bow yeah. b- represented out with, you know, 2021 bow, right. And you're like, Oh, like when he's projected on his shirt talking yeah. about don't kill yourself, you know, and then, or, or that moment when it cuts for goodbye and he's short haired and he says, you know, um, this is a, test of what could be the ending song is not finished yet. It's like so powerful. <laughs> yeah. Just to see him walk in with short hair. I was like, oh, wow. And there's lots of things you don't know. Like, I mean, it's, he's presented as if he physically can't leave the house. Yeah. Which is right? certainly not true. Which he can go outside. Um, he's got more to the house that we're not seeing. Like, how big is this house? What kind of place is it? Is this an apartment? Is this like the, the shed? That he built in back of his house to do studio work in? Oh, wait, there's a kitchenette in here. Yeah. It looks just like a kitchenette. Let me throw one thing out. Because the end of Make Happy, his last special, I realized when I watched it, there's a final post-show sequence. It all happens in an auditorium. But then there's a post-show sequence, which is fake to look like it's backstage, but it's in that room. And in the end, he opens the door... And you see it's his backyard. They fake that he's walking out to a family, right? He doesn't have a child. But uh, there's a woman with, a, fan, with a, a, a child that he walks out to. And you see that that's his backyard. It's that same room. So okay. that's like a guest house in his house. Now, he, you know, in real life, he lives with his live-in partner, who is, I forget her name. 
Okay, so these are the questions I was asking. Yeah. Does he live alone? You're no, led he, to believe he, he lives alone. technically doesn't. He lives with his girlfriend uh, who's, who directed the movie Hustlers. I forget her oh, name. Oh, uh, uh, shit. That, that's a really good movie. She's a good director. Um, yeah, yeah, so two, a very creative couple. Okay, all right. So he, but at the same... So, so that so might other, be a little cynical. <laughs> well, <laughs> that might, well, no. See, that, that's the thing. People were going like, he's presenting himself like he's this isolated hermit living alone and like blah, blah, blah. But he lives with his girlfriend. And I'm like, okay, two things. One, is what he presented to you relatable? Because I live with people. I live with my family. And I related... To a lot of what he did, um, almost all of it. So, like, it's it wasn't necessarily supposed to be. This is Bo Burnham of 2021, <laughs> in my experience, the Bo Burnham, the real life. This is what it, I, I felt like that this special to me was a beautiful representation of one, the creative process, and how isolating the creative process actually feels. And two, what it's like to have lived through as a human being the twenty the coronavirus pandemic, even though they never mention the virus. You know? I, well, see, exactly. This is exactly what I'm talking about. The myopia of it. I did. I did think it was a strong choice, but it's definitely it's a, it's a strong choice in that it's successful, but it's very decided too. The fact that the mm-hmm. fact that we don't know who he lives with, or yeah. what options are open to him, right? He never mentions the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he does never mention that something happens in twenty in because he says he, in twenty. You know, I stopped doing comedy because I have panic attacks, which is all true. Yeah. And then you know, in March in twenty twenty, I got better. January twenty twenty, I got better, and so I thought I should start touring again. And then the funniest thing happened. But the thing is, we all know what happened. I mean, sure, someone's not gonna know. Maybe in the huge few, you know, two thousand years from now, if they're watching this. But for now, the the power comes from the fact that it's all can be unsaid, right? But uh, different people experience this pandemic differently. Some isolated more out of personal fear. Some did it more out of civic duty or, you know, some blended the two, but the proportions mm-hmm. were different for different people. Some right. people couldn't stay home. Some people had to go out and work to right. survive. Right. Yeah. I thought that was one of the interesting things, how in some ways he's like directly addressing privilege and his privilege. And in other ways it was invisible, oh, yeah. you know, like all the people who had to bring him that equipment that it looks like he's ordering <laughs> and the t-shirts and right. stuff so that he can make this thing. Like they didn't get to isolate the way he's appearing to. You mean all the right? people that shipped it to him? Yeah. yeah he exactly. delivered it, you know, he delivered it. Right. That they whole didn't supply get to chain. Right. You know, and that's, and those people's stories don't get told the way the isolators get told. We're, you know, you have your zoom movies, where have we? Do we have a movie about that delivery person yet? I haven't seen it. You know, there's a movie about a yeah. church that stays open. Um, but you know that I think I just think that's really interesting. That it is it that is he is talking. You know, he's presenting like a very. In one way, it's like a very specific experience of the pandemic, and in, in another way, it's completely devoid of context. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It really is. And I, I thought I'm I I thought it I thought I think that all works, but I think that's all 
interesting uh, about it, you know? No, absolutely. Because literally, I mean, I mean, I could layer in my feelings about the pandemic into this, you know, and you could, you could layer in, Oh, this is how the feelings of, um, the experience of the pandemic lays in with someone who is already struggling with mental health. You could layer this into the the hermit. You could layer this in with the, yeah. you know, um, person who is struggling with the performer who now suddenly doesn't have an audience. You know, you could struggle this in with, you know, anything. I mean, I love uh, the game I played also with the show with the with the special was what songs were clearly written pre-pandemic and which right. ones weren't. Yeah. So think the ones, and what's interesting is the ones that stick out as like not really going with the flow are ones you go, that's written pre-pandemic. <laughs> 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 like FaceTime with my mom. Which is kind of like an airplane food is bad. Yeah. Kind of joke. That's, that was the worst song. Easily, I agree. I agree. That's easily the worst song. The reason I don't like the song is because it feels like it's punching down. You know what I mean? It feels like it's like your mom doesn't deserve that. Yeah, old (laughs) people and technology go. Yeah, there's no there's no point of it where it turns like he does with a lot of songs in his over. Not not just in this show, but like I was waiting for the turn and there was no turn. there's a couple of potent moments in it, but the, the, the line I like the most is, is, uh, uh, you know, um, I wait while she's looking for her glasses. Uh, she's, she'll tell me all about the season six finale, season six finale of the blacklist. <laughs> blacklist. Some, Isn't it blacklist? No, Black-ish? the blacklist, oh. the James Spader show, the blacklist, which I was like, that's the perfect oh. show to choose for this, for this particular comedy. Pretty funny if she was watching blackish. Yeah, but not. It, <laughs> Wouldn't be as on point. It'd be ironic. It wasn't on point. Yeah. Ironic uh, choice. Because um, Blackish I, is 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 a show that I, I find actually very fascinating, and I like it a lot. But the Blacklist seems to be like TV. Like this is this is TV made for because we make TV. You know, what I mean, it's like there's nothing controversial about the Blacklist. There's nothing innovative about the Blacklist. There's this, this is the TV show. That we make. <laughs> you know, I knew someone, I worked with someone named Ish. Oh, yeah? And she was black, and the show's not about her. <laughs> Good to know. I just think that's interesting. <laughs> so my mom, last time I saw my mom, because they were in town for, uh, my parents were in town for a medical procedure, and one of the pieces of conversation was not just the fact that their hotel room had a snack bar, but what all the items were in the snack bar. And And what I realized at the moment is I thought of this during the Bo Burnham song, because I was like, at some point you realize your mom just likes talking to you. Right. And what matters is that she's talking to you, not what she's talking about. Right. Right. That's true. Because who, who, who it wasn't like, knows? oh, I have to make note of, because, you know, as, as a younger person, I would have said, did you like, I would have thought to myself, so you made note of the things in the snack bar because you thought I would find them interesting. But no, that, that's not what's happening. No. That's just small talk. It's as small as it gets. And there is no one else. I would rather on... talk about the weather. 
And there's no one else on this planet who knows, has more shared history with you than this person. So. Yeah. And now that includes what was in her snack bar. Snack bar. (laughs) Now that, now that doesn't preclude this from being able to be made into comedy for sure. No, it's still ridiculous. It's still ridiculous. (laughs) I told, I, I think I said to Carrie the other day, I go, you know, COVID for those of us who have been fortunate enough to not get COVID, um, it really has just turned us all into our parents, um, you know, because all I can think to talk about anymore is who I just learned passed away. Hmm. <laughs> it's my only topic of conversation anymore. Oh, look who just passed away. It's like, it's all I, you know, I'm my parents now. <laughs> Do you want to hear my mom in a nutshell? Sure. We had our kitchen redone. Mm-hmm. And when she came over next to see it for the first time, she walks in the room and she says, Ooh, it's bigger than I thought it was going to be. Next sentence out of her mouth. So what do you regret? <laughs> Meaning that she knew you'd have a regret? Like once, or, we, once she or took Or she's in... already spotted them and she wants to make sure that you've seen them too. I'm sure in her mind, like, it's a big project. Not everything can go right. So what didn't go right? What didn't go right? <laughs> what didn't go right? What are your regrets? What, what part's going to gnaw on you forever? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, FaceTime with my mom's not the strongest one thing. But uh, not long after that comes a song that I really want to talk about called uh, uh, White Woman's Instagram. Okay. I had heard of White Woman's Instagram, and I was like, mm, okay, I'll probably have to sit through that one. And I uh, never not cry uh, when I think about it. And uh, White Woman's Instagram, to me, it even came up in therapy, and uh, my therapist was a huge fan of the song. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing, you know, I equate this song to, like, Pulp Fiction when they shoot Marvin in the face. (laughs) Like, um, (laughs) I'll explain what I mean in a minute. Okay. But you're referring, you know what I'm talking about. I think, so the bridge of the song. So it starts out. The, the, the song starts out with, uh, you know, just doing petty but accurate statements of or, or, or re, um, representations observations. of observations. And Cliches. It's not, it's not until I've heard it so many times, the song, that I realized he, he's not actually making any judgments about it. Like, they're not stated as saying... This is stupid. This is dumb. This is whatever. But the fact that they're being presented at all, that's, you would go, okay, so we're making fun of these, how common all these things are on a certain type of person's Instagram feed. And you're like, yeah, those are pretty accurate representations. <laughs> I have to admit. And, and the, his visuals that he puts with it, especially when he's like, Miming, you know, the closed knees, you know, shirtless with the overalls on, the more mockingly feminine poses, threatens to overtake the whole song, to take down the whole song, borders on threatens it, you know. Um, but so many other of the, of the representations he does are just so spot on. And I started to feel a little bit bad about, you know, how sharp these, uh, well, not sharp, but how these observations were on point. 
And then the bridge comes where it's just this earnest recitation of how much she misses your mom who's passed away. And um, I don't know about you, but it was killer to me. And I think the most genius line, lyric, I should say, in the whole special is as soon as the bridge is over and it's, and, it, and you've just heard the line that always makes me cry so much is um, when she's saying, you know, I miss you. I miss sitting with you in the front lawn. It's getting hard to get on without you, but it's getting better, but it's still hard. Mama, I got a job I love in my own apartment. Mama, I got a boyfriend and he's cra- I'm crazy about him. That part always gets me. Hmm. I'm having a real hard time saying it now <laughs> because it's like you don't get to say these basic joys of your life to the person uh, one of the most important people that you want to share this stuff with and you can't because she's gone and it is so affecting and then afterwards he busts in with a goat cheese salad <laughs> <laughs> that's the most brilliant line in the whole special to me is because after that you go hey you know we just experienced this really potent bridge and I know you know all this stuff. I just, I just, I've been dying to talk to anyone to spell to, about this song, and just like how you, you have this, you get to know this person at a really deep guttural level, and you go, "We were just making fun of you for all your vapid, cliched things you were posting," and then. I realize maybe there's a lot more to you than I think. Like these things are all comfort to a lot of pain that I just was not privy to or ignoring or uh, ignorant of. And then to snap back into a goat cheese salad, a backlit hammock, a single glass of wine. And then suddenly you're, I'm intensely uncomfortable with going back to that. You know what I mean? Well, and, and you I, know, it's experience of the, it's the next thing in the scroll. You're scrolling right, down there. Right, you're Instagram, scrolling through. Right, and there's all these things, right, that are, are <laughs> very presentational. And then this, this one, like, really honest moment is right. kind of like Bo Burnham's inside, exactly. uh, you know. <laughs> but then, but yeah, so yeah, you're scrolling through and you see all this stuff, but, to, you know, you, uh, I, I just found it to be this kind of like, I'm making these judgments and then I see this and then like, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not cool with making these judgments. And yet the brilliant thing is the song technically isn't making judgments. It's just stating occasionally, although he does put it's, a little stank I mean, on things. It's a comedy song. I it's think a comedy it's making, song. It's making little, fun. He does put a little stank to, sh- to, to twist the knife a bit with the, um, Incredibly derivative political street art. You know, you're like, okay. But my, I have to admit my favorite line is um, two random quotes from Lord of the Rings incorrectly attributed to Martin Luther King. <laughs> uh, but it's such a moving song to go like, people are deeper, they're bigger, they're bad. It's that the great phrase, you know, there are battles that people are having that you know nothing about. So be kind, you know. That's what I took from the song. Sorry, you are, do you want to go song by song, or can I Can I? No, jump? jump around. Do whatever you want to do. So you... Where do you want to go? You brought up earlier, you know, which songs seem written before... Right. Quarantine and which ones are written during. White Woman's Instagram 
seemed like it was written before and you seem to have confirmed it. I mean, for me, the most moving part and the part that's stuck with me, like the section that stuck with me are the songs that are about like societal evils. Um, Oh yeah. The way the world works. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that one, that's a great one. The the Jeff Bezos stuff and, Mm -hmm. and uh, the internet, everything, anything, everything all of the time. Yeah, that line is killer, isn't that, it? That's Can I interest the, you in everything all the time? That's the one that sticks with me. Yeah. Because I talked about the myopia of it, and this is what I find really interesting, is that on one level, he's it's really so concerned with just what's happening in this room and creating apparently a fiction, because it's his guest house, that he's, he's physically confined to this space, mm-hmm. in which I'm just going to footnote here, we see at the beginning and at the end that he hasn't set the clock on the stove. Like, oh. Which for me was I didn't really, notice that. Oh, it's uh, blinking in yeah. the background uh, when the two shots where he's talking into the mirror, uh, which for me was a really moving moment because at first I was like, well, he unplugged it because he was, you know, didn't want to have all the lights on the same circuit or something. Right. <laughs> um, but then yeah. when it's still blinking two years later... Yeah, or one year later, uh, and I'm like, oh, he still hasn't set the clock, and he's like, he's it's, uh, he's out of time, like time yeah. has no relevance anymore. Like it was just like this tiny detail, which I found very moving. Yeah, there's anyway. something about that caught the cutting to the window blinds. Is just for some but reason the that sunlight streaming through that. Yeah, you never quite see outside. And then there's this one point because you always just see the the blinds, the thing you're kind of staring at when you don't know what else to do, just the window blinds, right? And like they always cut that when it does it when it feels like this stagnation of what should be a nice relaxing moment is really felt like stuck. And then yeah. you hear the bird songs outside, the birds and the crickets or whatever. And there's one song where he's doing it where you hear the birds and the cricket and he's like setting a few lights and then he sits down to do the song and then he reaches over and touches the laptop and the birds and the crickets stop. <laughs> that yeah. was great. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I think I cut you off for something. No, no, you're fine. Um, so in one sense, he he has like these very deliberate blinders on. Mm-hmm. He doesn't address the pandemic um, directly, but he kind of he he skips the stem and then goes to the roots of like here's why here's why our response to the pandemic as a society is fucked. Yeah. Right. Um, and why, like when, if, if this pandemic is like the test of this generation, why this generation, meaning this combination of generations is, has failed it so abysmally. Right. And you mentioned hermits earlier for me, like what, works about this as a document that could be viewed like 10, 20 years from now. Yeah. Um, if we're still capable of doing that, <laughs> um, it's just like this apocalyptic nature to it. Like both in the way the word is used now and also in the original use of the word where, you know, the book of revelations was called apocalypse because apocalypse meant vision. Right. Like it made me think the whole thing made me think and where it went you got to be a hermit. You live in the wilderness, live in a cave. You might be a prophet. You might be a mad hermit or you might be both, <laughs> right? They're not mutually exclusive, right? right? And he's like, at some, 
in, in a very artistic way, he's kind of raving and raging at the state of the world yeah. uh, and what we've done to it and what we're continuing to do to it and do to ourselves. And he's going, it's, it's like he's going mad in the process of, of just like grappling with it. Right. Um, and also like when you isolate your, and this is like part of the tragedy of, of the pandemic uh, is when you isolate yourself, you are kind of doing like psychic damage to yourself. We're not meant to yeah. be, to live not in isolation. To. Right. I'm proof of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and so, the, and, and for different people that isolation is more, um, voluntary than others say, but, yeah. um, but he, uh, I'm I don't very, know. I'm like, actually very lucky that I get to isolate for this long and do this damage to myself. I'm actually, <laughs> It's weird. I am actually very fortunate to be able to do this, and yet I'm still damaging myself. So yeah, I don't know. And that was just like my 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 takeaway, is like that, and that anything, everything, all of the time is like he, he's he's complaining about the thing that's also making this this special possible. Him, him getting these deliveries to his home, so the making of this thing. <laughs> depends on the internet. Me watching yeah. it right now <laughs> depends on the internet. Um, but it's also there, like going to be the end of us because we can't communicate anymore. <laughs> like, that, you know, society is disintegrating in front of our eyes. Right. And we're watching it in real time online. Yeah. That moment where he's laying among all the cords and he's wrapped up in a blanket on a pillow and the, and the SM58 mic is like just right there next to his mouth on the pillow and he's going you know maybe where is that I think I wrote maybe allowing giant digital media corporations to exploit the neurochemical drama of all our children for profit maybe that was a bad call by us and I'm sitting there going um Netflix (laughs) (laughs) he's talking mainly about social media but I was also going like that's Netflix is a giant media company it's allowing me to be hearing you now. You know? Yeah, exactly. I felt the same way. But yeah, yeah, maybe the flattening of the entire subjective human experience into a lifeless exchange of value that benefits nobody except um, for a handful of bug-eyed salamanders in Silicon Valley. Maybe that was, uh, as a way of life forever, maybe that's uh, not good. Jeff I'm Bezos. horny. <laughs> you did I'm it. I'm horny. <laughs> I did it, did it. But then he says that big rant, and then at the end of that, that thing, he goes, I'm horny. Yeah, right. <laughs> While he's lying on the sleeper sofa, which wasn't in the other shots of that yeah. part of the room. So where did he, did he bring it in? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's not sleeping in there. Did he shove that no. in the back room, and then he brought it out for that shot? Did he get it delivered? What's going right. on? I don't know. What's weird, what's interesting is that it kind of doesn't matter for the emotional truth of everything, but it matters when considering the privilege part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, you're trying to figure out what his situation is. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's he's complaining an awful lot. What's he got to complain about exactly? That's what I want to know. I'm. He's uh, yeah. I'm I'm it, it, I'm just I'm being a dick, but. <laughs> I also did wonder these He gets to complain about being a human being during this time. Yeah. (laughs) In his own situation and context, right? That's what he gets to complain about. (laughs) 
Well, there, there's a joke in it that I love so much, which he clearly sees as being a, cl- a critical problem that we all have. And yet, if if, if I had, re- I, I also completely see that it's also something that he has recognized in himself as bad and then gone, this is a problem, and now I'm going to tell everybody. I'm talking specifically about the point in comedy when he says, you know, white people have had the had had the center stage for at least 5,000 years. Maybe it's time for us to just shut the fuck up and the music stops. And he goes, I'm bored. I don't want to do that. (laughs) There's got to be another way. And the thing is, is that I hate admitting that I have that same feeling is like, it's not my time. It's not my place. I should shut the fuck up and let, others have their voice and then I'm like but I feel so useless you know can't I help them by me speaking me 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 (laughs) let me do that and like and 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 so I I I get that and yet I also recognize that is not helpful (laughs) (laughs) I find I I I love those moments of bringing of that but you know, I, I this time I was thinking about the um, you talked about the reaction video where he's yes. reacting to his reaction video, yeah, uh, which keeps cycling on him, and there, it, you know, it, it weirdly it reminds me of an old. I, I'd always wanted to do a radio sketch or a video sketch that was not as profound as this, but it was uh, just I'd seen a diving commentator for the Olympics, the diving uh, uh, thing for the Olympics, and the commentators were watching, and I couldn't get over how. Everyone who was, there was the one guy on there who clearly was a former diver who was so critical of everything that was going on on the diving board. Like the guy barely makes a move. And he's like, oh, he's already, he's all in the wrong place. He's not even got off the board yet or to the end of the board. And he's already complaining. And this so dive I wanted, is fucked. Yeah. So I wanted to do a diving. This was like in the 90s or whatever. I wanted to do a diving commentator, co- commentator video where you'd I'd just get diving footage and then have, record a, a commentator track and then record a commentator on the diving commentator talking about the psychological makeup of whoever's talking about the diving they're witnessing and then okay. keep going and see how many layers I could get before it was incomprehensible, you know. But what Bo does here, what Burnham does here uh, much better is that what I was uh, kind of taken by was that he reacts to his own commentary and he which which the thing before the transition before it was can't people shut the fuck up for just an hour is it impossible that anyone can shut the fuck up for an hour and then it goes into this reaction video which is a perfect i can't stand reaction videos i don't you know i i know why they exist but i can even psychologically um uh affirm them as being valuable, but I hate them and I hate them for what they, they, uh, they are and what they do. And so but he's, how di- are they valuable? I have to tell well, at some point you got to tell me why they're valuable. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're valuable. I was saying, I, I, I really should have said, um, why, uh, why someone would want to watch one because people okay. as a child, children look for big emotions, big reactions. They like, they want to be able to push buttons and watch adults do big things or whatever. So we need to see 
people. We need to see experiences being have that had that are big. And also we want to see experiences that confirm our own experiences. Like, you know, the, I remember I would watch an episode of Justified and then afterwards in the middle of the night have no one to talk to about it. So I would go to AV Club and see if anyone had a review about Justified to see if their experience watching the episode was like mine or enlightening to mine. It would enlighten me on something or whatever. I was looking for a shared experience. Yeah. But I also wanted that experience. We like talking with each other. Exactly. About but you also yourself. want to see big. You, you also want like a big meaningful reaction. So to watch people freak out over something that you had a similar feeling about, that's why, that's the draw, I think. But, and also, you need content to, to keep your, um, your channel, because YouTube demands that you make so many videos per week, and if you don't, they don't promote your videos, and then you don't get the ad revenue, so they have to keep putting them out. It's like a network. It's relentless. And so you have to keep producing content, otherwise your revenue stream drops, or whatever, or, and, and your promotion of your videos stop. So you can only think of so many things to do. So the easiest thing to do is to take someone else's content and record yourself freaking out about it. Yeah. So that's why they all exist. But then that becomes the norm. That becomes the norm of what television or internet content is, is people going, Ooh, shit. (laughs) At someone, you know, parallel parking wrong. I don't click any YouTube video where, there's someone just well, you, trying you to see, make their eyes a, look big. Exactly, where there's like the a thumbnail. picture on the side, and then uh, the side of the picture is someone when their eyes look really big. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yet there are all courses about how to make your thumbnails look like that. It's like you, you need to get eye-grabbing stuff, so you need to build your thumbnails to look like this. That's being taught, and it's being trained. Well, it obviously works on some somebody because yeah. they do it, right? So... But what was interesting to me about that sketch was it wasn't just being derivative or, or derisive of, of um, how pointless a reaction video was. Because when he, it's, he says, people, people can't stop, sh- they can they please just shut the fuck up for a minute. And then you see him saying inane things about the video we just watched. And then he sees himself commenting and then suddenly he's like, I have to keep commenting. And I'm feeling weird about what I just said. And so I, he speaks like a, it's, it's pretentious. It's, it's something I, I, I don't know why I do this. And then when it doubles back around again, he's like, yeah, this is, and he, he keeps talking. And the more he keeps talking, the more he keeps doing actual valid psychoanalysis of cognitive behavioral therapy on himself. So I'm like going, wait, so is not talking, not being able to stop talking all the time bad? <laughs> like he actually got somewhere there. <laughs> like I, like I'm, I'm not sure it's all bad now. And that's what I, I was really struck by. But the shut the fuck up was in response to like we don't need to post our reactions to everything that happens, right? Right. But and then in doing so, he actually came to this kind of. But like, he's. But he's truth about himself that he but may he's have examining not been. what he's doing is examining himself. He's not he's not reacting to like everything that happens. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, there's a there's a there's a distinction that if maybe if people instead of 
posting on, you know, whatever they read in the news that morning, did a little self-reflection instead, maybe right. that would lead to a better end. Exactly. You're right, you're right, you're right. Because right. now he's looking at his own. Like, why self, do yeah. I feel the need to post what I'm posting? What do I expect to accomplish in the world by doing so? Am I just looking for validation right now? The desperate need to seen it, be seen as intelligent. Yeah. 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 Now, I, I think the, the song that's, that's critical to understanding the entire piece, the entire show, is trying to be funny while stuck in a room. Because, you know, I think, I think it does lead into that with him. I don't know, is it before that song where you see him watching himself as a kid in his room? I, I think that might be his most honest song. Like just straightforward, yeah. This is this is me. Which one is the trying to be funny when stuck in a room? There's really not much to say about it. Can one be funny when stuck in a room? Staying in, trying to get find your way out of it. Try making faces. Try telling jokes, making little sounds. Ooh. And then he goes into, I was a kid who was stuck in my room. Oh, the Aladdin costume one. That's problematic. When you're a kid and you're stuck in your room, you'll try any old shit to get out of it. Try making faces. Try telling jokes, making little sounds. And then the, the refrain that's repeated at the end is... Well, well, look who's inside again. Went out to look for a reason to hide again. Well, well, buddy, you found it. Now come out with your hands up. We've got you surrounded. And that's how Goodbye ends. You know, he puts that in at the end of Goodbye. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, and that seems to be probably his least like I keep, I'm telling you who I am right now because when I was a kid I, I was stuck in my room and I the reason why I'm doing all of this is because I had no outlet and I created an outlet of these silly songs and now I'm doing this and I was always in reclusive I went out to perform I freaked out and I was looking for any reason to just stay inside. And then now that I'm, like he says later, now that I'm trying to feel my way out, it's like, it's like that. It's what would we talk about? Uh, was, can, can you ever forgive me? Right. Where, where you're like trying to um, stay hidden. And then the moment you kind of come into your own and realize I could come out of the world, your punishment is to go back to the world that you tried to stay in before. It's just you know? like Michael Corleone. Yeah. Just when he thought he was out. Yeah. And it's like, it's like all this time I was, you know, you know, trying to be doing my room. And now I'm, I'm, I'm ready to come out and I smack down again. And, uh, um, like, or maybe even that, maybe that you didn't even need the pandemic to try to hide. You know, you're always looking for a place to hide, which is then, when he at the end of the show during goodbye, when he steps out of his little guest house and he's standing there on the I, I the first time I saw it, I actually thought they were shooting on a stage this time. 
but I so think that's I. actually yeah. that's actually his the same house. It looks that might very well be just his house with the elliptical, uh, ellipsoidal not elliptical. I said it wrong before. Ellipsoidal um, light, which is a very powerful stage light that just spotlight him on his house, and it looks like a stage when that's probably his actual backyard. Um, and him trying to get desperately get back into his little guest house, which has been his his psychological prison for this whole year, you know? Yeah. It's like, I need to be in there. Can't be out here. You know, uh, there's a lot of ways in which my family, Seymour, I, our children, are like perfectly equipped for this pandemic and that we're all mm. a bunch of introverted basement dwellers who <laughs> had to force ourselves to be social, had to remind yeah. ourselves of like, <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. This pandemic I don't think has affected my dad at all. He's like, good. Yeah. <laughs> and so I basically spent two years indulging all of my most uh, selfish instincts or reflexes um, I started out like every week I should call somebody. You know, I never have phone calls anymore. I should call a friend. And I did that for like the first month or so until the first person who I called and I, I didn't reach and didn't immediately call me back. And I was like, well, fuck that. <laughs> I'm just watching a movie every night. Right. And uh, I am going to have to like retrain myself to think about other people more. Yeah. You know, it's like it just became such a convenient excuse to not do that and just to cocoon. Yeah. Fun times. <laughs> Speaking of fun times, I just looked over at my notes and something it's interesting because, you know, as you said, you were thinking of this as going to be a stand up special. And he does very little like stand up stuff, even in his other like sessions, things when he does do like a stand up style joke it's almost always the weakest part of the show and it's always kind of in quotes. It's always kind of like not perfunctory so much as it is just kind of like I'm, I'm more talk. I'm more trying to think about us being a performer audience right now than rather than telling a joke. Okay. Um, but I have to admit there's a moment in the thing where he's sitting down and saying that what I've as, as like a stand up kind of persona, with a big smile on his face saying what I've learned from the real world is that human contact will kill you. <laughs> and then he goes on to a whole lays out like an entirely depressing view of the world and how the, 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 the real vital space is the digital space and we should reject humanity and human contact. And then without taking a breath, he just moves into, and is it just me or do pirates need to take better care of their fucking maps? I love the pirate map. <laughs> I laughed so hard. It's that level of skill to be able to do that. And also, also I've always hated, um, I've hated movies that, and I know you love The Lighthouse, but I hated movies that like forego the full frame of, the, of cinema for an artistic choice that... You're talking about aspect ratio? Aspect ratio, yeah. When they, when they make, make a, like the vertical format, which I cannot stand, but in like White Woman's Instagram... It was the only time I ever appreciated it where it like is the shape of an Instagram kind of post until that bridge. And then it widens out to full frame. 
and then why it crushes back in when we write for goat cheese salad, right? Very, very nice. I, I, I thought it was too showy, too distracting. I didn't like it. But <laughs> you didn't like it? Yeah, it's fine. I like yeah. That's right. It's uh, for it's a, I find just using like four by three too showy. You got a whole cinema frame. Use it. <laughs> Don't cut it out for me. I've got a technical question for you. Yeah, sure. Um, when we're getting those slow zooms. Yes. Was that in camera or in post, do you think? I've been trying to figure that out forever. Because when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, he's got... Because he's, oh, he's timing it out. Because I, I, the, the thing that I was most fascinated with watching it was watching him like orchestrate the lights. Which he does, by the way, in his live shows. He's got all the foot pedals... Yeah. Where he's controlling lights a lot of the times. He's got a very, very highly tuned like light show in his in his and a lot of them are controlled by foot pedals that he's actually doing. But the other one, but this one I was going uh, watching him time everything out and 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 do it and, and turning on the disco ball for that and turning yeah. on the, that and hitting the remote and, control. Right, right, right. And, and, and like, you know, I got rhythm. I got this one for and also like uh, was it um thirty? Where he's got the iPhone behind his back, yeah, and that was kicking good it one. out. It was really great lighting in that one. That's when you see uh, the shadow of his cock. Oh yeah, I you see it in sexting too when he's up against the wall and just in his white boxer briefs and stuff. And you're like, oof. But yeah, he's like, but like he's that. That was like that reminded me of my brother's. Um, I don't know if I ever showed you the bro- my my brother made me a birthday video once. That was. Him using toys and all honey dolls to replicate the Joker's wild Batman book and record that we had as a kid. Uh, yes, I I do remember yeah. that. And the the way that he just the lighting that he did on that, like all in one take, was just so impressive. And that remind this whole scene reminded me of Todd's ingenious uh, lighting work on that. That uh, has always impressed me. Anyway, the zooms. This time I was really watching them going. Is this an 8K camera that is able to zoom into that far into like in post to 4K, or is because it looks really good when zoomed in, and it's always timed. Yeah, perfectly. it doesn't look like digital zoom. It does not obviously. look like digital zoom. It looks like a manual zoom that's that he has on like um, um, an automated, you know, uh, pull. But I don't. That's it what could, I thought it was. That's what I. That's what I but thought then, it was like, too. When I'm he like, wow, he's really got this stops. timed up. So. Yeah. I can't tell if he's controlling it or if he's timed it or what. But there are some like trying to be funny when stuck in the room where he's just sitting on the floor and doing this, and it starts to do that slow zoom in, and I'm like, this, this is probably post. I'm guessing. I don't know. I really don't know. I mm. it, it looks too good to be post, but it. I can't imagine it's. I started to think it's it, maybe a mix of both. I don't know. I really don't know. But um, for for to to reuse that trick over and over and over again and it not get old. So speaking of toys, um, when he is outside, when he goes outside, uh-huh. and he's trying to get back in, the lighting of that and just the way he looks small in the frame uh, reminded me of something I hadn't thought about uh, in a long time. Uh, a music video I shot in school, uh, starring one Wade Carney. Are, are you talking about Succubus? About 
someone Which being watched recently stuck inside, isolated, uh, trapped. And <laughs> uh, it was not as good. As I inside. liked it, except for my Richard Marks hair. But <laughs> well, it was well, whatever that was, ninety-six or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, like spent the day in my parents' garage. Like mm-hmm. I stacked up a bunch of cardboard boxes and just like, wait, uh, look desperate. <laughs> wait, uh, <laughs> act like you're trying trying to tear the boxes down. And then uh, the shot that. <laughs> The, like one of the goofy shots I had a little ant uh, It was like a flea circus ant farm It was like a dome with like little trapezes and stuff That you oh, put yeah, ants yeah, yeah. in And like hey what if we try to shot I shot it with this guy Dave Yeah This is a terrible name I can't remember his name hey, His uh, name was Dave uh, He was on I lacrosse. do remember that I don't remember his last name though He's on the lacrosse team um, We got the idea It was uh, I think it was cinematography um, class and um, so we did a shot where we lit it we lit the little plastic dome so your reflection made it look like you were inside like you were trapped inside the dome yeah that was uh, and it was like a color shot and like it just like was had a different quality from everything else and it just like really stood out uh, mm-hmm. and it looked kind of goofy in the end it was a cool idea it didn't really work uh, and then later, um, Mulholland Drive would have the shot where her parents shrink really small. And like, oh, it's like the shot from... <laughs> it had a similar kind of jarring quality where I also thought it looked kind of goofy and stupid in a movie I really loved. Uh, and yeah, like, yeah. oh, he, uh, David Lynch saw the Succubus video. He, <laughs> he stole the shot. You were a great influence on him. It was an homage... Anyway, I hadn't thought of this succubus video in a long time. And so it's like, oh, yeah, that thing. I feel, I almost feel embarrassed by this, but I need to see, hear someone else's reaction to this. So, what, you know, Welcome to the Internet is great, is a really chilling song and a very, makes its point very well. That Funny Feelings seems like just a great pop song that was. <laughs> Almost Dylan-esque that was actually covered by Phoebe Bridgers later. So she's already done a cover. Uh, I love content. I love comedy. Goodbye is my favorite song. It's so moving to me. Uh, but we have this other song that seems to be kind of like what the movie was. This is a set piece. Feels like a set piece anyway. Uh, All Eyes on Me, where he's... Uh, uh, where he, where, the song where he has the bridge where he talks about his panic attacks. and I don't know what it is about this song. Because it is written very sparsely. But the first time I saw it, I was uncontrollably weeping, just sobbing uncontrollably. And weirdly, I remember being pointedly like weirded out how moving it was when he, in, in, a, in, in a moment that felt kind of performative, I didn't think it was honest. Oh, no, I, I didn't think it was actually happening, where he runs across the room and is yelling, you, I'm talking to you, get the fuck up. And he grabs the camera and is just swirling it around himself. For some reason, I've always, that's always been a cheap device to me. Never looked anything other than just a mess. But this time, I just was blubbering beyond control. Like it felt like the chaos of the mind right there. 
don't know. Tell me what you think of it because I, I kind of feel like I shouldn't be as moved by this song. <laughs> like it's like like it's somehow like uh, um, all about needing attention. But I'm so moved by this song, and I can't really pinpoint why. I don't. I remember. I remember him picking up the camera. I don't. I don't remember the song. I'm sorry. Uh, Good reaction video. Good reaction. No, I'm not making that shit. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but it's so interesting because then they do that and then they show him watching the scene he just shot, right? Mm-hmm. But this was the scene, you know, where he had, like, the, the live camera that was feeding a projector that was projecting himself onto himself while he's singing the song. So right. So it's like him and then a more concert version of him behind him and they got the laugh track and cheer right. track going on while right, he's, right. like, kind of back in the auditorium saying how much I need... You know, I need you all to... And, and anyway, the, the the thing that I noticed this time that I found particularly effective was the transition going in right before it. So before it, he was... The scene before, he's got the clouds projected on the wall. It's a fake new day. And Bo's trying to just say, so I've been working on this special for a year, and he keeps not being able to get through the line, Right. He keeps trying, and then he, eventually he storms out and knocks things over. And we don't know how, if that was something that was an outtake or something yeah. that he performed. We don't know. But then the next shot is him standing. We just see him sitting by the window, and he's got a microphone. He's dangling. He seems to be trying to find the right thing to say, and he just says, I am not doing well and then he starts blubbering right he starts crying yeah. and you're going at first you go you're i'm sitting there going is this is this real is this not real and then we have a really long digital it's i couldn't again don't know if it's a digital zoom if it was not a digital zoom then you're like okay this is performative this is planned <laughs> if it's a digital zoom it's the, but it can't not be planned because it's this long slow pan like like zoom in to something I wasn't paying attention to which was over his shoulder is another camera that's on and recording and you just this long slow pan, zoom into its lens and then you start to hear the audience cheer and you're hearing the the his kind of stadium voice as he's ramping up into singing all eyes on me right and he's got a, he's got a road shotgun mic in this kind of red plastic cradle that's sitting on top of the camera in the hot shoe. It's obviously there by choice because it looks like devil horns in a way. <laughs> it almost looks like devil horns over this big unrelenting eye. And it's just zooming in and you just kind of see him, his shoulder shaking in the corner as he's crying. And I'm going, okay, this is probably staged, still very effective he does probably feel this way. <laughs> but if it wasn't, and he just used this and found this, then it's like, oh my God, wow, uh, <laughs> as your transition into this song. But um, yeah, I have no idea. I, I, I would, you know, and, and again, I'm sitting here going, is it staged? Is it not staged? And I think to myself, if he, if he actually heard me ask this question, I'm sure he would be amused because it honestly doesn't matter. He's, this is the story being told. Art is about yeah. using artifice to 
tap into truth. Yeah. Like you said. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's all about, this is something I was trying to get earlier, is that there is no art without artifice. And you, you use artifice to express the truth that you want to present, right? And so, you know, I don't know. That's why I always get mad at the idea of like, even, even people say like, all oh, acting is lying. No, acting is not lying. It's not. Granted, a lot of the details aren't really true. I'm not really, John. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really in the crucible. I'm not really, don't have Goody Proctor as my I'm not <laughs> wife. That's true. That's, I'm not that. But, you know, I still don't. It's it's like I I just don't think you can you can harp on something for artifice when it's the whole conveyance of of uh, of its message. Anyway, sorry, I'm going on too long. But um, but you're right. It was well said <laughs> <laughs> on your point. <laughs> I don't need to continue like I did. Well, really time to wrap this up. Or we have more time. To... I, I I had all my big points. I, I hope you uh, enjoyed watching it because I. I did. I, I I think this is for me. Until I see something different, this is my number one movie of the year. Oh, this beat this so far. Nothing has topped this for me this year. I think it's and, in my uh, and by this year you mean last year. Yeah. Yes. See now you get me this time. That's right. <laughs> and you're right to do so. Uh, yeah. So yeah. This this is um, my. My number one movie of the year. So it's far. in my it's, top it's, five. I have to go look again. My number one's still The Green Knight. Nothing, right. nothing has beat that yet for me. Um, but I, yeah, I thought it was very strong, um, very strong. Definitely. I mean, he was trying to capture the zeitgeist, and he succeeded. I think. I think, yeah, I think he did. He succeeded in, in conveying an experience, a universal experience, a specific experience, and also made you think about the experiences that. Weren't being presented? I mean, come on. What? <laughs> that covers <laughs> what, it. What more could you ask for? Um, and it's funny, and it's uh, uh, and then the soundtrack itself is uh, is great to listen to on its own. Um, I, I I think this. I think he uh, he wasn't this this wasn't eligible for. Um, he won some Emmys for this, but it wasn't eligible for uh, like. Stand-up special. It's technically not stand-up, so I'm not. But he did win for like musical direction. Okay, I think he won a, an Emmy for 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 musical. Did he give an acceptance it. speech? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But to my knowledge, he still hasn't talked about, which I think is great. Just leave it. Leave it as is. He covered that whole gamut, the whole experience. It's it's a uh, fascinating special, a fascinating piece of work, and I think we're all better for it. He's so shutting I'm, the I've fuck been, up. So. He's shutting the fuck up. And um, but I him. would recommend if if this does it, I would recommend uh, meet hap, uh, make happy isn't as um, there's something about it that doesn't. Uh, I, I I don't go gaga for it, but the final uh, song, the final presentation. Um, uh, which you can look on YouTube. It's called uh, "Can't Handle This." You can you can go and you can either watch the special on, on Netflix or just watch "Can't Handle This," which is the closing number. No, that's is... very close to my favorite <laughs> Elvis Costello album and my favorite MC Hammer song. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's fascinating the way he like what he does in that number, which he's 
again, talking about the performer audience relationship and um, literally turns it on the audience and, and you, the audience doesn't hate him for it. It's, it's pretty impressive. I would also look at the opening and closing numbers of his earlier special, What? Um, and noting, noting that they are noticeably raw. I mean, uh, for, I mean, they're noticeably, um, um, no, I can't say that. They are highly professional and highly intricate, but then also very amateurish at the same time. It's fascinating because <laughs> he's like a kid. He's like this, you know, he's like half the, like uh, 20 or 21 or 22 when he made these, right? But yet he's so invested and so rehearsed and so particular and um, the opening number, he is like a, a pantomime to a pre-recording he does for like, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, all with very, very highly rehearsed cues. And like he's dancing all around. And then I think about two to three minutes into the intro, he spits water, a whole mouthful of water out for a gag. And you're like, he had that in his mouth the whole time. <laughs> and like everything is preset and everything is done and it's, it's pretty spectacular. But the, the closing number of what I think is, um, pretty, I don't know, looking at all this stuff and then, uh, is fascinating in the context of what we just saw. And then checking out this one video online, uh, it's called, um, Oboe. And it's a single he released trying to, 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 um, uh, uh, get on the hip hop train of being. Um, <laughs> he says that he, uh, he has a preamble that explains this terrible position that he's taking about hip hop and how he's going to ape it now. And it's not even a hip hop song, it's a pop song. But like how he's going to take that, what he feels like it's become, and then be that persona. And to sit there and see this 15, 16 year old kid say these incredibly horrible things, but then also be kind of impressed by him <laughs> is so bizarre. It's worth checking out. If you're interested in continuing to see more of his stuff, I would say definitely those three things uh, check out. Um, and if any of our listeners out there hasn't seen eighth grade, do so. Eighth grade is a wonder. Yeah. I should show eighth grade to my kids. <laughs> One of which is past eighth grade. So I missed it. Someone, someone who, uh, 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 real quickly, had asked, asked him, uh, why did you choose to write about an eighth-grade uh, eighth girl? And he said, well, I, I, uh, I knew I wanted to write a story about someone who, who wanted to communicate but didn't know how or what to say. And there's no, didn't know how. And um, there's no better age than that than eighth grade, Right. And so I went to eighth grade and I saw that all, I went to the online and saw that all these eighth graders now are just posting everything online for themselves. They're just posting everything out there. And so it's all there. You can read it you, and, 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 and watch it and it's all out there. And I felt like a really creepy guy Googling eighth grade kids. <laughs> he goes, but it's all out there. And, and I, the, I didn't set out to make a story about a girl, but um, I went to see all this research and all the girls talked about their souls and uh, and the boys talked about Minecraft. So obviously, I was going <laughs> to write about girls. <laughs> no, I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm not trying to denigrate anybody or accuse anybody of anything. But I'm just saying, wouldn't it be funny if he the only reason he made eighth grade 
the movie is because he got caught searching. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Eighth uh, grade uh, girl. Uh, uh, his research for a project. I better make this project. Well. <laughs> I, no, see, I was looking at boys, too. I was looking at boys. Oh, wait, no. No, no, I wasn't. I really wasn't. Um, I'm making a movie. <laughs> It's a good cover. Uh, if it was a cover, it gave us something beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my favorite dad portrayals in a movie. That that oh, year, yeah. that year had so many great dad monologues between "Call Me by Your Name" and uh, the campfire scene in eighth grade. That that fire scene. <laughs> Yeah, that killed me. Yeah, it what destroyed me. <laughs> Before it's I saw it, I, uh, John Dickinson, who's a political commentator, uh, yeah. he was a 60 Minutes um, correspondent mm-hmm. for a while, CBS This Morning, whatever. He's on the, uh, the Slate Political Gap Fest He's podcast. He's on a lot, yeah. Where he, um, and at one point when they were just doing their cocktail chatter, he said he'd seen this movie, Eighth Grade, he recommended it. And he said there was one moment, there's one scene in it where his wife turned to him in the theater and whispered to him, that might be the best scene I've ever seen. <laughs> and yes. we all know what scene absolutely that, that was in reference to. That was the campfire scene. Had to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so definitely. I mean, the, the, I, think, I think Bo Burnham, despite everything well is 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 definitely one of the artists to really always take ser- take note of whenever uh he does stuff and i dismissed him forever because i was like oh internet comedian yeah sure whatever and now i feel like i missed out on a lot <laughs> but you haven't so, because the internet it's all there yeah yeah i might forget. not have been ready for him you know i might i might have dismissed him even after watching him at that point in my life and then now i'm ready to uh Go down that hole. Go down that. Uh, oh, I should rephrase that. I'm ready. <laughs> well, uh, this has been a fun talk. Uh, thank you for listening to You Watched It Wrong. We are You Watched It Wrong on all the things. Um, if you reach out to us on Twitter at um, You Watched It at You Watched It Wrong, which you was spelled with the letter U, or you can go to um, Facebook, which is You Watched It Wrong spelled correctly. Uh, although. We don't really look at Facebook at all. In fact, neither should you. Um, so send us an email at you watched it wrong at happypanic.net. We are also most active on Letterboxd. In fact, that's really where you should come see us uh, because that's where we talk about movies instead of our, I don't know, personal crap. Siggy is Siggy, S I G G Y L L A M A. And then I am Carney of Steel, which is a joke because. Everyone knows carnies are made of cotton candy. And if you were scratching your head thinking, why, what happened in February of 2020? You watched it wrong. 